Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I got the wonderful privilege last week to share and go out to Tennessee to share for the convention that I was asked to speak at. I was on my way to the hotel where I was staying, and I have a few pictures that I want to kind of share with you. If you've never been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, it's very, very pretty. Very small town. The media team helped me out here. Small town. uh, It's got a lot of lights at night, a lot of places to eat. Wonderful, wonderful little town. It's nestled right among the Smoky Mountains, Uh, But something very tragic happened in November of 2016. A fire was started, and by December 12th, the fire had burned down over 10,000 acres. 15 square miles inside the National Park, 14,000 area residents and tourists were forced to evacuate. Over 2,000 buildings were damaged or destroyed. 134 were taken to the hospital with non-fatals. 14 people died. And I have a few more pictures I want to share with you. These are shots of what I saw in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, as I drove up this mountain to stay at this hotel. You notice that the houses are burnt down, but there's a remnant of it left over and the foundations of all these homes were all that was left. Here's another aerial shot. I didn't jump high and take that picture. I actually pulled that off the web following. This is days after the homes that were built and the homes that were burnt. Gatlinburg, Tennessee was under siege. They could not control the fire. And a side note, There's interesting reports that they saw the fire, they saw the fire when it initially started, but it wasn't big enough to address because it was holiday weekend. They saw a problem and they chose to let it go because it wasn't a big issue and they addressed it over the weekend. In other words, it happened on like a Thursday. And they said, we'll get to it by Monday when the offices open again. I believe there's many, many more pictures I could show you. But what what really destroyed me was that it was a problem and they didn't address it. Now, that's a message in and of itself. Would you agree? One thing that stood out to me as I was driving up this mountain, my eyes laid to several of the images that you see just like this. As I drove up this beautiful mountain to my hotel, I realized something very, very specific. That the homes were burnt, but the foundation was there. Every home I looked at, the homes were burnt, but the foundation after foundation after foundation was still there. It was exposed, but it was there. It was not seen prior, but it was there. 
There's nothing like a fire to expose what is underneath. And I want us to understand something. That unless we realize who our foundation is, when a fire erupts in our lives, it is the foundation that is exposed in our lives the same manner. The foundation will always be exposed when fire breaks out. It was quite the sad yet interesting thought that these homes can still be built. And in fact, I looked up to many homes that were brand new because of the fire. But they had a foundation to build on. Mind you, the, many of these homes were nestled on the side of mountains. So to build a foundation on a mountain all over again was going to be super tricky. But there was no need because the foundation was there. It was already there. It had not gone away amongst all these homes. Our lives as believers are very similar. Church, listen to me. Similar to this event, you can feel like everything around you is burning down. You can feel like thing after thing is happening. The fires rage all around me. And listen to me when I tell you this. I watched 20 minutes or so of footage of police actual scanners and reports calls into 911. I watched two separate documentaries just for this opening illustration to get an understanding as to what we were looking at. Church, hear me. The panic in the voices of the people that were calling in were trapped on the mountain and we can't get out. We're trapped in our home. We're trapped in our car. There's fire surrounding us. They said in minutes, the fire went, it went from this pocket to that pocket and I have, I have numerous pictures that I didn't use in my thing. I just didn't want to overwhelm and make the message about that. But I did want to say this, that it moved so quickly that the firefighters, no matter how many firefighters you had on the ground, the firefighters said we could have had 400 firefighters on the ground. We couldn't stop this thing because it moves so quickly. Listen to me, church. The enemy will move quickly where there is no life. And that was what was key in this situation. For 80 years, the, 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 there's, there's a part of this mountain that was so, uh, there was so much moisture in the mountain that people didn't worry about things. But over the last several years, all the trees that had died, all those leaves and all the things were lying dormant, dry and dormant. And it took just one spark to lay this entire mountainside on fire. When you lay dormant and move not on what God has called you to do, you too can find yourselves in flames. You can find things in your life up in smoke, and you're trying to figure out what that looks like. Church, how many know what I'm talking about? You realize that you let something go in your life a little too long. You let this person in your life a little too long. You let this addiction in your life a little too long. That, that, that that drinking issue, that whatever it is going on, you let it in your life a little too long. And all of a sudden, it becomes something of a, oh, uh, an abyss that you cannot contain. It be, it's become a thing that you cannot harness. So I want to talk to you this morning a message entitled Beyond Blessed. What do we do moving forward 
as a church? How do we move beyond blessed? It's not a question of if, but when things get tough, when everything around me seems to be up in flames and I'm supposed to be blessed, I'm supposed to walk in favor, I'm supposed to be in the middle of God's will. Listen, just because you give money, just because you give time, listen, just because you do this or that doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. What do I do beyond blessed? What do I do beyond, dare I call this subtitled, the blessed strife. We move from blessed life to blessed strife. In other words, we come out of this life moment and we feel like, wait, I'm, I was just in the middle of God's will. But yet strife comes upon you and you're like, how do I handle this? How do I process this? Let me tell you this. Here's the short answer. Are you ready? Foundation. What is your foundation? What is your source? What we have walked through as a church these last four weeks has been amazing. I myself have been able to have multiple conversations with people. And um, this Blessed Life series has been a lot more uh, than money or fundraising. It has not been uh, based on that. It's always been about the foundation of who your source is. It's been about who is number one in your life. And we all want to walk blessed. Raise your hand if you want to walk blessed. You want to be blessed. You want favor from God. Most all of us, if not all of us, would say, that's a silly question, Pastor Tony. I want to be blessed. Right? But being blessed and walking in favor means we have taken God at his word and what he deems important, not what I deem important as in focus. Walking as a mature Christian believer, it means prioritizing the eternal kingdom principles. And the book that we have walked through together has shown us a little bit of that, about principles. And when we do walk in God's principles, we do so without hesitation or compromise. Just like if I told my wife, sweetie pie, I love you. You're the apple of my eye. You're the, you're, the, you're the beat of my heart. You're the one I love. You're not just the mother of my children, but you're the reason why I love loving you. You are everything. And for 364 days a year, you're my number one. But one day a year, I get to go and love whoever else I want. But one day, one day, that's just one day. Every other day is yours, sweetie. How many know that's not going to fly? That's not going to fly. My wife is nodding a very strong amen right now. She didn't have to say anything. She's like. <laughs> It'd be foolish, wouldn't it? For us to think, you know, I could do it. 364 days, baby, I'm yours. Me and you, we're going to party like it's 1999. We're together, we're one, we're great, but one day a year, I get to go and be with whoever I want. Just one day, it's not a big deal. Percentage-wise, that's not bad. Let's look at the percentages here. And all the women in the room are saying, let's not look at the percentages, Pastor. No matter. <laughs> She's like, you can take that day and plan your funeral. 
right? Thank you for that wonderful tip. What happens when we say that? Well, it says you are not number one. If you're not number one at all, if you're not number one, you're not at all. You're not loving if you're not putting me first. Well, we understand that that goes a little bit. There's leniency there. God is number one. You get that, right? But when we're talking about relationships, we realize that there's a parallel there. We won't do that in the flesh. Why would we do that with God? Our mind, our money, and our minutes all belong to him. Somebody say amen. Here's a thought right here. Putting God first. For those of you taking notes, go ahead and you might want to write this down, think about it, tweet it, update your status. It's worth putting in. Putting God first and recognizing that it all belongs to him liberates us from the fear of loss and insufficiency. Right? Putting God first and recognizing that it's all his, it liberates us from feeling like I'm going to lose this. So I'm going to lose. No, I don't lose anything if it's all his. I'm not losing anything if it's all his. So here we are. We find ourselves beyond blessed. Now, we're blessed, but what happens when we move forward? How do we go forward in this? Pressure is released when we release and realize that we are we aren't owners, we're stewards of everything we have. We're not owners, we're stewards. How many get what I'm saying? We are to manage his property, not own it. God has always wanted and desired for his kingdom to move forward, but it cannot move forward if you have a I own everything I have mentality. And that has hurt the body of Christ today. There are people that won't serve, won't give, won't lend themselves to any ministry because they own their lives, period. But when you live blessed, in order to move beyond blessed, we have to realize that we are but stewards of everything that is God's in our lives. I'll say this, Genesis 1 tells us what? God commanded Adam, what? Be fruitful and what? Multiply. That's our job, to be fruitful and to multiply. That, that encourages every area of our life. It is the sexual, it is the financial, it is the physical, it is the, the, the simple principle of sowing and reaping. It is everything that God is about, be fruitful and multiply. Progress in the blessings of God. Don't hoard it. Don't harness it for yourself. Don't say, mine, 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 all mine. How many realize that, right? You, you don't have to teach a kid how to be selfish. They're just really good at it from birth. And that happened when? Just after God said, be fruitful and multiply. It happened in the garden. And it's been bad ever since. How many know it's gotten bad since then? We're not just harnessing our stuff. Now we want everybody else's stuff. God says, no, be fruitful and multiply. How do you do that? You sow into the things that God says sow into. That's how you multiply. You don't multiply without sowing. Right? A farmer that has corn on his field, that has sown corn in his field, doesn't yell at the field 
why aren't you growing oranges? It would be foolish, right? We would think that's ridiculous. But when we don't sow good and we don't do good and we don't follow that direction, we too as believers do the same thing. We're yelling, why am I not seeing this in my life? And God says, why haven't you sown it? Sow good, harvest good. Sow bad, harvest bad. Sow 50%, reap 50%. God wasn't ever thinking for us to never multiply. God was never thinking for us to not be fruitful. So what happens after we choose to walk in obedience? We give our mind, our money, our minutes. What do we do? How do we move beyond? It's a great question. And here it is. Are you ready? I can start off with answering that the enemy doesn't like you moving and walking in obedience. How many agree with that? The devil, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, whatever face you put on it, whatever name you put on it, he doesn't like you. He doesn't play games. He wants to stop you from doing anything remotely close to being fruitful and or multiplying. He doesn't want favor in your life. He doesn't want blessed, much less beyond blessed. He doesn't want any of those things. He doesn't want you to get your priorities in order. He doesn't want you to get your house, your marriage, your finances, your workplace, your job situation, whatever it looks like, your relationships, all of those things. He doesn't want those things in order. He wants to be able to dictate at any point in time, this fall apart, that fall apart. He wants to be able to do that because he wants to be able to have access to your ears, therefore having access to your heart. He doesn't want you to be firmly rooted in the Word. Because listen, I hear the world through this filter right here. I got to. Church, you hear me? I have to. I have to hear God's word through this filter. Because if this is not close by, I hear what they want me to hear. I see, not through my own eyes, I see through this lens. I have to. Now, are there times that I don't? Yeah. Raise your hand if you've seen things without the lens of Scripture. And you're like, how did I believe that lie? I remember when I was a kid, I was, always, I was always blown away by 3D glasses because you see something real messed up, right? If you don't have the 3D glasses, something's off, something's not right. But then you put the glasses on and you're like, things coming at you, you're like, whoa, I didn't see it that way. Well, in the same manner, when you start to, un- look at me, when you start to unpack the Word of God and you start to say, God, I want to see it the way you see it, whoa. I'm seeing things way differently now. I didn't see that area of my life. I didn't see that stronghold in my life. I didn't see that issue I had. And I didn't even know that it was an issue. So here's what I want to share with you a few thoughts. Ready? Number one, how do I move beyond blessed? How do I go beyond? See, I'm blessed, right? What do I do moving forward? Well, number one, desire to walk in purpose. Find your purpose and walk in it. Write this down. If you have a bulletin, in the back there's a real cool place for sermon notes. Write this down. Write this. Number one, desire to walk in purpose. God's plan didn't just appear out of thin air and God say, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. He carefully orchestrated a plan that would not just benefit his kingdom, but bring you to full 
empowerment in this world. The world has yet to see what the church could do fully yielded to him. In our funds, in our faith, and in our family. One way to walk forward in, intentionally and in faithfulness is by embracing who you are, who God has called you to be. I know it. Listen, hear me and hear me closely. It's very easy for us to look at our lives and say to ourselves, you know what, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to pan out. But I trust you. I trust you, God. And when you trust God, you've been blessed to be a blessing. You've been blessed to be, I thought I'd get one amen on that one. Been blessed to be a blessing. You have been blessed to be a blessing, and it's the root of everyone's purpose in this life. Did you know that God never called you? Look at me. You know God never called you to be blessed by yourself? He wants to bless through you too. Like the Apostle Paul, who's no stranger to intentionality and faithfulness. Everything Paul did was very, very sequential. He knew what he was doing. He was an intelligent man. And when he did what he did, he did it with careful precision. He was a very intelligent man. And we find ourselves finding ourselves in that place of God's gift is tricky sometimes because we think that it has to do with my happiness. That I have to be, it has to happen when I'm not, uh, let's say it like this, no repercussions, then that means it's God's will, or no one opposing my thoughts. In other words, we look at ourselves, we go, if there's no opposition, all the funds are there, everybody agrees that it's for me, that's what I'm going to take as God's will in my life. You're going to be waiting a long time. You are surely going to be standing alone for a long time, waiting for everybody to approve, waiting for all the funds to come in, waiting for all the dots to be, uh, all the I's to be dotted, all the T's to be crossed. You have to realize that, that you have a purpose, and whether people around you agree with it or not. Now listen, I'm not saying don't take people's word as, a, as an idea, because I believe God gives us wisdom and confirmation. If you can't sing worth a lick and you're like, I'm going to sing. Ask some people. <laughs> pray. Because there's wisdom in that, right? Maybe you really, really want that, but that's not what God wants for you. But if you have something that you know is deep within you, I'm going to be straight up. Can I be straight up with you guys? No matter what we do, if it is God's will and we submit to that, no one can stop us. You are an unstoppable force. Somebody say amen. Imagine holding on to a wrapped gift someone gave you 10 years ago. And then telling everybody, <laughs> look what I got. I got this gift. Okay, that's fantastic. You got it for your birthday? Yeah. Cool. Well, what's in it? I don't know. Okay, so when do you plan on opening it? I don't know. They gave me 10 years ago, they gave me this gift. 
why do you still have it wrapped? You would, you would probably think that person doesn't quite get it, right? They just want to walk around saying, I got a gift. You guys see my gift? It's pretty, ain't it? Look how nice the wrapping is in this box. It's amazing. Look at the bow on this thing. It's amazing, right? They're like, what's in it? I don't know. And you were given this 10 years ago. Yeah. Alarms going off like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. You're bragging about a gift. You don't even know what you have. Or that you have a gift that you haven't unwrapped. Listen, as a pastor, can I tell you something? There are people, week in and week out, sit with their gifts, unwrapped, talking about a gift that they have, and they've never used it. That burns me inside, and it calls me to say, please, not for me, but for your sake, open the gift that is within you. Open up that gift, and tell you what, there's a very good possibility that that gift that you have not opened up yet, watch this, that gift that you haven't opened up yet will bless the body. It will bless me as a pastor to see you in it. To be able to do some of the things that God has called you to do and not be able to do it because you're so caught up in the fact that it's a gift. Preposterous. Colossians tells us this, for this I toil struggling with all his energy and he powerfully works within me. I toil in this, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. How many know that God can powerfully work within you if you just tap into that? Right? Tap into that source of power, Jesus Christ. Second thought is simply this. Accept divine appointments. Some of you don't know that there's divine appointments that God has for you. And I've already heard testimony. Raise your hand if since you started in this series, The Blessed Life, reading the series, um, the videos, the talks, the stuff happening online, how many have already experienced a form of blessing in this series, The Blessed Life? Raise your hand. That's you. That's a good number of people in this room already. Of people that have experienced something. Can I tell you something? When you step out in faith, whether it's serving or giving, that's when faith is activated and divine appointments are prone to happen. Divine appointments happen when you trust God in areas of your life that you never trusted Him before. Divine points happen when you listen closely and stop talking for a few minutes and hear the voice of God. Because we think prayer is me telling God everything I need. Sometimes prayer is just stopping and listening. What does God want from me? What does God want from me? Not God, here's my to-do list. I need you to do this. So hear me. Notice the S in appointments because there's more than one. Say yes to everything that couldn't have been possibly thought of by you. Think about it. If you started saying yes to everything that could not have possibly been thought of by you, what if you started saying yes more often to God? Well, what does that look like? Anytime God has called me to give or serve, or love, or pray for someone, 
The enemy's not involved in that. My flesh, not involved in that. My flesh doesn't want to go outside of itself. My flesh wants to be selfish. My flesh wants to keep things to myself. My flesh doesn't want to give. My flesh doesn't want to serve because it wants what it wants. Trust me, when something seems bigger than you and it blesses other people, consider the possibility that it could be the Holy Spirit knocking on your door, asking you to step out. If we read story after story in the book that we followed and walked through together, we see constant divine appointments over and over. Why? Because someone stepped out. This doesn't make sense. I don't feel comfortable with this, but it's not about my comfort. It's about obedience. And you do it, and all of a sudden, something happens. And you're like, wait a second. I didn't see that coming. My possible rule of thumb is if it's too big to do by yourself, you probably didn't think it up. (laughs) If it's too big to do by yourself, you probably didn't think it up. Because we only think within our realm of possibility. Our flesh wants to do what we can do safely so we can say, I accomplished the task. Yay, I stepped down. One step. Awesome. I did that all by myself. But what if I was to, it's a different situation when my little boy was young and he was on one of those jungle gyms in the park. And he's like, Dad, I'm scared. I'm like, just jump. I got you. How many know what I'm talking about? Just jump, I got you. And I know I'm going to catch him. He is not going to slip through my fingers. I'm going to catch that boy. And he's up and he's at the tip. And The older they get, the harder that is. Because they fell more. Right? The smaller they are, you got to be careful because you like jump. And the middle of saying jump, they jump. They, they're not even trying to, you're not even paying attention. Right? The younger they are. But the older they get, they've gotten a few bruises, a few bumps. And they know what pain feels like. Pain hurts, right? So then, then now all of a sudden they're like, catch me. Are you ready? One, two, three. You're going to catch me, right? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Kids do that. They go, one, two. I don't know about this, dad. And they back off. Why? Because they've had bumps and bruises already. They, the older they get, the older we get. The older we get, come on, somebody. We have trouble believing God for things because we've had, we've had our bumps and bruises. We've had the moments where we said, I don't know that I could trust him with that area of my life. God is saying, just trust me. That's to come tithing for some of you is a big deal. That's to come serving for some of you is a big deal. Giving of your time once a month? I got to serve somewhere once a month? It's part of, part of the kingdom. I got to get 10%. No, you get to give. Are you with me? I'm stepping out. Be, I can live blessed or I can live beyond blessed. What happens when we've done all T's across, I's are dotted? What now? We take another step. We believe them for more. Divine appointments happen when you take bigger steps. You take more steps. Watch this. Trust God to move you past the disappointment into divine appointment. Trust God to move you past the disappointment to divine appointment. 
You can plan, pray, prepare with the greatest intentions. But you got to move past disappointment. And when those disappointments happen, fuel, not fear. Use it for fuel, not your fear. See, circumstances change. Plans shift. New ventures fail. Life with Jesus isn't always a peach walk, right? It's not always a walk in the park. But sometimes, watch this, sometimes the interruption is your next divine appointment. That thing that looks like an interruption could possibly be that divine appointment you didn't know was coming. Proverbs tells us this, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Church, there's a verse that I really want us to get out of this whole message this morning is this. The heart of man plans his way. How many would agree with that? The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord is the one that establishes his steps. It is God who establishes the steps. In this series, we've been taught a lot about truly divine appointments. And when God uses finances, it's never just about finances. It's always about eternity. He's just getting to an area that have caught a lot of people in web. You realize that? The biggest reason why this series has touched so many people, look at me, is because so many people are caught in this web of what's mine and what I possess. So let me... Let me, let me just preface this next thing with this thought. Giving is about priority. Now I'm going to allow this opportunity to share this thought with you guys. Before you, if you can turn your attention over here to this table. In my life, if this was to represent my life in its full, maybe a 24-hour period, maybe, maybe a seven-day period, or whatever that looks like, for the sake of argument, let's say this is a week's time, right? Seven days, 168 hours. We look at it and we think to ourselves, this is my week. There's so many things I need to do. And we start to fill our life with things that need to get done. This, that, other, these little things. They're kind of trivial, but they get, they get done, they get done, whatever. I start to fill my life with things. 100 hours left, 40 hours left, 30 hours left. Well, now we're up to like the 24-hour period right about here, maybe. Maybe right about there. And we just continue to fill our lives with stuff, 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 stuff. And then you realize to yourself, I've maxed out. I didn't pray this week. I still have time. I still have time. Wait, I, I didn't give this week. Mm. Mm. Okay, that looks pretty. All right, I, oh man, I'm supposed to serve this week. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to. And we think to ourselves, manage that poorly. How many of you could relate to this week right here? How many? Honestly, honestly, 
There should be more hands up. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. We've all had weeks like this. All of us. There's not a single person that hasn't had a week like this. And you're thinking to yourself, there's still other things I need it done. I, but I can't fit it. So what if? What if maybe we started changing how we did things? What if maybe we said, okay, it's a new week. It's a new beginning. And I decide today, I'm going to try this differently. I'm gonna, I got to do this differently. I got to figure this thing out. So here's my week again. And I find myself there and I say, okay, what if I can just, first is God. First tenth is God's. First tenth is God's. I'm going to put, I'm going to make sure that's number one. Why is that number one? Because you always have room for what's first. You always have room for what's first. If it's first, there's always room for it. No matter how many, there's always room for what's first. No matter which rock, which priority I select. I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to seek God. I got to read his word, man. I got to serve. Listen, serving is not an option. Saved people serve people. If you say that you're saved but you don't want to serve, I question what kind of salvation experience you had and who told you that. That's harsh, I know. But saved people serve people. There's an opportunity to serve. you got to find what, what it is right now. Maybe it looks different than everybody else. That doesn't mean that if you don't serve in the nursery, you're not serving God. Okay? That doesn't mean that. But here's what it does mean. Something for God. What are you doing for God, right? And whatever that looks like, my devotional daily time with God and investing in my family. i got to invest in my family. Maybe that's what those five things look like. Then all the other things that really are superficial, I can then begin to pour those things into my life. And it's not hindering. Nothing that's important to me. It's not hindering anything that's part. In fact, it's not even moving it. Because I always have time for what's first. My life can continue. And I can still do many things. But I prioritize it. And guess what? When the week is done, these things that I have left over that were not priority weren't meant to be. They were never meant to be. When we reverse the process of what you've just seen, pain ensues. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here today. The third thought is simply this. Prioritize your life. I like what um, Mark Twain once said. Never allow someone to be your priority while allowing yourself to be their option. If you're someone else's option and they're your priority, things are off balance. Your relationship's off balance. God considered you so important that you were worth dying for. So I need everyone across this room to bow their heads for a moment. And Father, we just take a moment and we realize you are our priority. We always have time for what's important and what's priority in our lives. So I ask you as we look at this beyond blessed moment that we will come to a place where you are number one. You are 
everything we need and more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.